You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. Welcome to an Englishman in the Balkans podcast with me, David Pecinovic Bailey. In this podcast, you'll get a unique look at life in Bosnia and Herzegovina through my eyes, the eyes of an immigrant. Each episode, I share my experiences living in this often misunderstood country and introduce you to some of the interesting people I've met along the way. From exploring the rich culture and history to discussing the challenges and joys of immigrating to a new country, this podcast offers a thoughtful and engaging look at life in the Western Balkans. This is the Balkan Adventures Podcast with David and Tamra. Everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans. I've arrived in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's not actually true. Um, I've left Banyaluka with Tamara. We drove south to a junction to a sign that we always pass. We've never really thought about what is up that road. Yeah, okay, once or twice in the last 17 years we've driven across to Manyatja um, to see a particular cultural event. But apart from that, we've never really gone up there. Plus... Tam just hates driving up serpentines all the time. But today we've gone right, we've gone up past the serpentines. Not only that, um, we came off the the main road and then down another very, very small road and then onto a dirt track and bumpf, we're at the end of the dirt track in what is, I have to say, someone's massive garden. Typical Bosnian style, everybody's got fruit trees. Uh, I'm not sure whether these have had plums or apples. I can see apples. So I can only imagine there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of litres of rakia distilled uh, come November. But you might hear in the background a lot of people talking, and they're not the people that live here. These are people, these are immigrants, both from um, Bosnia-Herzegovina and from outside. These are very special immigrants. These are immigrants that do drilling and bolting which is scaring me rigid i have to say I, at least i'm not going to be doing it but i'm going to be seeing it uh, and i've caught up one of the immigrants now and i hope he doesn't mind me calling him an immigrant david you're from austria yes i'm from austria that's right uh, i think the better word would be i'm a reverse gastarbeiter here actually i'm from <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm from the city of vienna um, it's uh, not very far away it's about five hours uh, north and yeah I've been here 15 times and um, now I came to live here for nine months yeah I've got to ask you that um, when people look at me they go why oh why did you give up the wonderful ways of the west to come to Banyaluka so you're on the limit in a way um, so the question I'm going to bounce to you now why um, I think I came across the Balkans like I did a trip 10 years ago and for whatever reason um, I just was Really, I felt really strongly about Bosnia. I really felt that this is the most interesting country in the whole region. And um, I'm a rock climber, so I was looking for climbing. Uh, and by accident, actually, I met some people in Sarajevo, uh, some people from Banja Luka, some people from Sarajevo. It was a group of biology students. One of them was a climber, and they invited me here to Banja Luka. So I came here the first time five years ago, and I've been here about 15 times since uh, 2010. And, uh, yeah keep coming we explore together we climb together um yeah we're having a great time people come and visit me we do ski touring climbing in austria germany italy so it's been a, a very great relationship with the people here 
There's a lot of people with bags, uh, and uh, I was just walking around this, what you call the base camp. It's absolutely great. Multicoloured tents. Uh, everybody's curling up. Well, there must be a technical phrase for it, but curling up ropes and things like this. So it is a climbing pursuit. Now, put me out of my agony. What is drilling and bolting? So the thing is, um, in order to equip climbing routes, there, there are different styles of climbing. You could, uh, uh, I think the classical one is to place protection in cracks and uh, in rocks. You just have some gear that you can put in there where you can clip a carabiner and then to attach your rope to be safe if you're climbing up. But what we are doing here is called uh, multi-pitch climbing. So the thing is, uh, you have several rope lengths. Uh, routes here are in general from 100 to anything about 300 meters long. So in order to climb these routes uh, in a modern style, I would say you have to put uh, bolts, means you have to drill a hole, uh, uh, put in a bolt and a hanger where you can clip your carabiner into. So when people want to repeat that route and climb that route in order to be safe, uh, you have to put anchors every about 30 meters or so, uh, where you can attach yourself to, and then you can uh, belay the next person coming from... from uh, from the bottom up to you and then yo-yo style go above you. So this is what we're doing, it's a lot of work, I can, you can really call it construction site work, uh, but it also has a, a beautiful design aspect to it. Um, yes, this is what this is about, we're trying to create a new climbing area here. As an Austrian and coming from a mountainous region, um, and the only thing that I can think, and, and the reason it stimulates me to ask this question is there was a sign at the bottom of the road when we turned right to come up to Rivnik and it mm. said Austria Alpine or something like that. So are you what we would traditionally associate with being an alpinist? Um, I'm, I would say I'm a solid climber. I've climbed for about uh, six years now. Um, the thing is, but my, my interest is not only with climbing, but it's also really with the climbing culture, with, with everything. So I'm, I really like to um, also explore a lot. There's great potential here to do that, to just become active uh, in, in creating new routes. I'm really interested in history, so I would say, um, yeah, I'm interested in the culture as well as the sport. And we were only here a less than five minutes and Tamara is hugging another guy. We'll have to talk about that later. No, but seriously, um, because she found somebody that she hadn't seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, and she, she hadn't seen him for so long. Um, and he has got this uh, aurora about him already that there's a certain level of confidence of him being in this base camp. So I'm now going to ask you, 10 years since you, you've been coming here, um, this is now um, a, a climbing festival. How strong is the climbing fraternity in Bosnia-Herzegovina? The thing is, the climbing scene, I think there were some pre-war climbers here, as far as I've heard. Um, they put up some uh, routes down in the canyon uh, in a traditional style, so they didn't uh, leave a lot of gear. Um, uh, I think they were strong alpinists from the region, from all over Bosnia that came here, some Banilka climbers. But after the war, um, I think there weren't really any climbers. My friends from the climbing club, they started on a five square meter plywood wall. Uh, they just had a few climbing holes. Uh, Igor was giving a speech before yesterday, day before yesterday, and told us how they didn't know anything, but they were really passionate to learn. They had a volunteer, first one in 2009, to teach them how to place bolts, how to, to make use of the great uh, rock that they have here. And then uh, they've done a tremendous amount of work to equip a climbing gym. Really do-it-yourself style, but I think it, it's a... It's a it's a small jewel. Like there's a great community. There are a lot of new climbers now. 
Um, I would say that there are about uh, two generations of climbers now in Bosnia and in Banja and uh, yeah, it's a really tight community. It's a DIY community, and uh, I, the effort that they put into creating their venues for climbing and their climbing gym is amazing for me to see coming from a country that is very prosperous. I would say very um, saturated, uh, and and the people here are just have a lot of energy. It's great what they're doing. We better get over the painful question now so we don't have to go through it later. Bosnia-Herzegovina with its tragic um, tear apart um, civil war, the history of the late 1990s, takes a long time for wounds to heal, for pains to go away, for people to to tolerate, for people to get used to things. Um, And you can still see it today. It's a reality of life. Uh, The country is split in two, but we're here today um, in, in the northern part of Bosnia, which gets the the worst part of the, 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 the bad public relations, if I can put it that way. Is this um, just a primarily a Republika Srpska um, deal or, or, or are there people from elsewhere as well? Uh, we've invited people, I would say, from uh, from 10 countries internationally, uh, maybe more, from, I would say, UK, France, uh, Austria, Germany, Israel, everywhere we, we just reached out. And for me, it was especially important that we also invite, the, I would say, five, six other climbing clubs uh, from Bosnia, um, from cities like Mostar, Sarajevo, uh, Tra- uh, Travnik, Zenica, uh, Gradiška. So we really try to ha- bring everyone here, make it a, a big party, make it a spectacle. Um, the club, as far as I know, has good relations with other clubs from Sarajevo, from Mostar. But it's been difficult, uh, I think, for two reasons. I think people, like you said, there is a history of, uh, recent history of violence and everyone has a history usually of of death, maybe some more than others, but everyone uh, feel, uh, has this. And I think it's difficult that the people are coming together. And um, I think, yeah, it's been difficult to find other people to come here. We have a few great people that join us from Sarajevo, actually, and usually also people from Mostar join us. And uh, there are some good contacts, and I hope that this will intensify after this festival. We'll keep working hard to... to give the people some easy opportunities to, to, to share uh, a very positive thing uh, that, that uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, when they see the photographs and the videos on, on this vlog and blog, um, they're going to be wanting to be here. Right, you said earlier on, you're going to tell me a little bit about what I can see today in my all but short um, trip. So, go on in, let's do the guided tour. All right, let's go. Um, so, we're walking through the garden here. On the left, we have a tent that was uh, supplied, as, I think, by the military. It's a green military tent. It's 5 by 10 meters. It's 50 square meters. So this is where we have the meals at night. We have a super nice wood stove that looks uh, also uh, quite ancient, and I think it's going to last a very long time. It's going to stay for a le- very long time with us. Who's doing the cooking, by the way? Is, is it you? No, it's not me. We have some volunteers. Boris Lonchina, one of our, uh, our great chefs uh, from Banja actually he made a, a traditional bean soup, vegetarian one, because what's a bit atypical for this area, I think we're having a lot of vegetarians through the international people. And, um, yeah, what else can I say? As far as um, resources go, we put some water here. Who needs food when you have beer? Yeah, I can see <laughs> True. that. <laughs> True. So maybe I should, I should say something about uh, the liquids. Uh, we got water. The municipality, a special tourism office of Banja Luka, was tremendously helpful. They got us a water line here. This village didn't have uh, a water connection, so our 
85-year-old neighbor. I think he's 85. I hope he doesn't mind me putting his age. But um, got some water now, which I think is quite a great deal. Um, we have some electricity that the municipality helped us to get. And uh, we have this garden that was given to us by one of the villagers. Uh, he, we're asking him, hey, if we're going to come here and have a climbing festival, what do you think? Wouldn't it be maybe too loud? What do you think about international people coming here in your garden? Um, which is a bit abandoned. There are three small houses that we can use for storage for the fridge with, uh, I would say, f I think 500 bottles of beer that were donated to us by Nectar to put also the... This festival is called Drill and Chill Climbing Festival. So it's not only about drilling, but it's also about... Chilling. Chilling, <laughs> so which I think is quite a great deal. And... Um, yeah, what else is there? There's the garden, there are the prompt trees. We have uh, a lot of colorful hammocks um, that were given to us by our friend from Ticket to the Moon Hammocks. Uh, we so you've got, you've got quite a few sponsors then? We have got quite a few sponsors. Um, we just spread the word and um, uh, it started with our main sponsor, Austria Alpine. Uh, I have uh, good connections with them. Uh, through my job in a mountaineering store in Vienna. So I asked them and they told them about this project. They had um, a meeting with the board and they were super psyched for our project and they gave us a very big amount of material. So without them, this, this rock would have never started rolling in the first place. I have to be give credit to them. Um, we have local sponsors. The tourism office of Banaluka has been tremendously helpful. We have Nectar. For the beer, we have uh, we have Tropic uh, who gave us uh, food so we can pro provide the volunteer with a warm meal a day. Um, we have Ticket to the Moon for the hammocks. We have, I hope not to forget anyone, um, Fisher who gave us some bolts. We have the municipality who gave us a van. We have Tourism Office of Republika Srpska. We have, um, who else? We have Boulder Bar. We have Red Bull. So I think we really have a, a few good names that uh, show their love. Well, yeah, when I came in, I just thought, well, um, yeah, the, the logos are up. Um, Ticket to the Moon, um, uh, uh, that's just a camping company, right? Uh, that's actually a really cool company by one of our volunteers here. Uh, they actually, what I think is, if I remember correctly, they bought a, a company in, in Bali, in Indonesia, and they have a, a really cool um, uh, factory there with great working conditions, um, uh, and uh, they're selling the hammocks uh, for a great price, and I think yeah, they were always they're always supportive, going from climbing festival to climbing festival to put up their hammocks, and um, yeah. If we weren't going to the UK on Wednesday, I'm telling you, I would be having. <laughs> Tam, would you would you do a night in a tent with me? There's plenty of people here. <laughs> we'll find try to find someone to put in the middle. <laughs> But the, yes. and it's a glory, it's a glorious day. How has the weather been for you? I mean, yesterday we're doing we're recording this on on a Monday. The Sunday when I wanted to come up, it was we're going through that brutal period now in Balkan weather terms, where we go from plus thirty down to minus eighteen, from beautiful sunshine down to rain. It was raining yesterday. How's the weather affecting you? Um, we've been thinking about this, and we were hoping for good weather, and I think we really did a good job. Uh, we ate up our food, so uh, really to, to kind of try to have a good impact on the weather. It's been great. We had, on the first two days, it was brutally hot. It's uh, middle of September, so here it was a heat wave in Baniluka, 39 degrees, 38 degrees for the first day. So it's been quite crazy, but everyone's coming from, most international people are coming from north, and they're really happy to have Indian summer here. And uh, we had one rainy day yesterday, and the forecast for the week, I think, is going to be 
really great, perfect conditions, 20 degrees, a little bit of uh, wind, and that's just perfect. What sort of conditions do you really need for, for optimum climbing? I mean, from Austria, if you, if you say to me, Austria, I'm thinking, uh, you know, snow, ice, and, you know, <laughs> really cold. But you're doing it in absolutely the opposite climate. So is it, is it a multi-climate sport? I mean, you, it's a four-season sport. You can do alpine climbing, you can do ice climbing in the winter, you can do um, any kind of uh, high mountain, mountaineering uh, stuff. But what we're doing here is multi-pitch sport climbing and a little bit of alpine climbing, I would say. And there you just need it to be dry, uh, so it shouldn't rain. Um, it shouldn't be too cold, so anything below zero degrees of freezing, I think, is not so much fun. And, uh, yeah, also too hot is not so good because it'll, it'll decrease friction. So if you sweat too much, you're not going to stay on the rock. Uh, your skin gets soft, your shoes become soft, everything becomes soapy. So I think anything between uh, 15 degrees and 20 degrees, I think, is quite perfect. Well, you've got a really great week ahead. Yes. Look at all these, all these cars. There's one here from the Czech Republic, another one from France, your hometown, Austria, Belgium as well, Slovenia. My goodness, you've got, did you say you've got Brits as well? We got a guy from England, actually, yeah, he's from nearby London, he flew here. He came just for the festival, uh, he saw the thing on couchsurfing and, um, yeah, he just called me up and said, I'm coming, I'm super psyched to come here, and, uh, yeah, he just bought his ticket, I talked to him on Skype and he came. Do you know, I would never have thought this would be an Englishman's sport. <laughs> they're really great, they're really great, they have really a bold style in climbing, and, uh, yeah, they're really hardcore English climbers. You know, it does... David, I have to say, it looks like a mini rock festival campsite, doesn't it? It looks so peaceful at the moment. Um, how far do they have to walk, though, to get to where they're going to climb and drill uh, and do all their activities? It's about a 15-minute walk through the forest over a field to get to the edge of the cliffs. And what we usually do is then people uh, go an upside, they go down a rope. You could also go bottom-up, but it's a bit further down the road. So people usually collect their gear here, and in the morning some people go, I'm, I'm really happy, people are super motivated, they leave at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. Um, they don't forget about the beer at night, so they're really working hard. <laughs> and uh, it's about a 10-15 minute walk through the forest. And how's it organized? Is it a case of four guys or... Let's, no, let's, four people, come on, let's be... It's equality, it's the 21st century. <laughs> Is it so many people and a supervisor or, 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 or an experienced person or is it sort of like freelancing, freestyling, you know, free for all? So um, the thing is that Igor Vukic and I, David Lemmerer, we came up with this idea to develop this canyon a bit more. And uh, so I think we, we put in most of the work in the beginning to get, to get it rolling. And then a lot of people have been joining us from the club internationally, media people, friends of ours that were just showing a lot of, showed a lot of support. So then how this, this uh, festival is now organized is that we really keep, uh, I would say, a very flat hierarchy, if you can keep it like that. Um, we have regular bolters meeting at 9 o'clock in the evening. There is dinner at 8. We have a few uh, little events in between uh, and people can contribute. If they have an idea, they want to have a morning yoga session, we can announce it if someone wants to show climbing films. So we try to be as inclusive as we can. We have some really great people. Dirk Urlich, for example, he joined us from Germany. He signed up a few days before. He drove nine hours to get here. We have Sharko Kalijanin from uh, Croatia. He's uh, a very experienced climber. Both of them put up thousands of routes. They have a tremendous amount of experience, I would say 15 to 20 years. And so uh, they were happy to give us a bolting course. 
Um, we try to include as many newbies as possible. Uh, this idea is also to promote climbing as a European sport, to bring people together and to create learning experiences. I personally have learned a lot and uh, we're trying to keep everyone safe. So there needs to be a little bit of structure. Um, we uh, try to decide things together with the people if we can. Um, um, but as far as the program goes, as far as the safety rules goes, we have a cleaning hour, for example, in the, in the morning. The city of uh, Paniluca, especially the tourism office, tourism office of Paniluca, was extremely helpful. They're closing the road every day from 11 to 11.30. It's a big deal. It's Magistrala, the main mm -hmm. north-south uh, highway to Sarajevo. So uh, there we cannot be so... Uh, there you need to be... A bit strict, I would say. Uh, tell people, okay, if you need to take down big rocks, rocks, 11:05 to 11:25. But other than that, if it's not about safety, if it's just about the fun, uh, we're really inclusive for everyone. I'm looking down at my my stomach. It's a 62-year-old stomach. I think I'm sponsored by Nectar, the local bevo. But nevertheless, everybody here is amazingly fit. And you know, I was thinking just now when you mentioned yoga, how fit do do people that engage in this sport have to be? I think it's quite a lot of cross-training we're doing lately, like you walk up and down through the forest, uh, you're pulling uh, on small climbing holes, um, uh, you uh, are doing a lot of uh, mileage and steep terrain, so I think if you're not fit from the beginning, you just start slowly and you're going to be very soon. I, I hear a lot of uh, people from uh, who are into fitness, there is this joke that people are saying uh, they're stopping climbing because it's becoming a vertical fitness center, climbing gyms, you know. Um, I think it's a really great sport uh, for overall three things, coordination, it's very important, keeping balance. Uh, you need to have a little minimum amount of, of power and strength that uh, uh, you're going to get a lot if you go regularly. And then also your brain, uh, Wolfgang Gullich said, is the most important muscle. You need to know where you're going. Uh, you need to keep up a good pace. You need to find the route. You need to be smart how you move to be efficient. So your brain is uh, maybe even the most important. And you need a head for heights. That's true, that's true. Or you get used to it. Start slow. Is it really, is it really possible to get used, used to it? For me, we're looking at a small shack here, I think, where people used to smoke their, their meat back in the day. I mean, it's hardly, it is hardly the Empire State Building, but I'm telling you, David, <laughs> if I get on top of that, my legs are going and, and, and you know, I've got rubber legs. Um, I think we should go and see and have a look. There are a lot of people hiding. Oh, hang on, hang on. He, he wants me to get... No, go on. But is it possible to, to, lo to lose the fear of heights? I think so. I mean, I think um, uh, there is a saying that uh, experience and knowledge will bring safety. Um, so I think the more experienced you are, uh, how to move on loose rock, how to move in heights, I think people, I can say for myself and also for many people I know, um, the more capable you feel, and the more objectively you are, you're not at risk, I think height is not a problem. But I think we could go over there now. There are people highlining, actually. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Uh, we have a great international group of uh, crazy guys who came from all over Europe. See, there you go. When you're saying crazy, my leads are going already. <laughs> they're, really focused on, they're really focused on safety. They're having a lot of discussions over the beer. Yeah. It's very important that we have the beer so people will get together and discuss, you know. And, um, yeah, so uh, they put up about three high lines. Uh, some of them are 40 meters of distance and I think about 100 meters of vertical. Um, so we could check that out later. I think we're going to have a drone pilot as well joining us maybe tomorrow. So we should have some great footage of that and I think we could check it out. Okay, let me um, just put my beer down, get my backpack and we're all going to go and walk uh, and see 
what these uh, guys and girls are doing. I'm telling you, this is an amazing experience. If you're listening to this as a podcast, um, there'll be lots of links in the descriptions uh, where you can find out more. And if David is going to do this next year, then do you know what? Why should you be going to Mallorca just to drink yourself stupid when you can come here a lot cheaper learn something and get an experience of a lifetime to find out more about us and where we live why not check out our blog at an englishman in the balkans.com see you next time so that's it for this episode our podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and if you like this podcast then please do leave us a review or send us an email thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com.